Time now for this week's Anderson Healy Show. Powered by Elevation, the Sun Devil's preferred home energy technology company. Greetings, Sun Devil Nation, and welcome to this week's installment of the Anderson Healy Show, the Sun Devil Radio Network broadcast that brings you all the latest news in Arizona State University Sun Devil Sports and features ASU Vice President for University Athletics, Ray Anderson. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Sun Devil football, men's basketball, and baseball. It's my pleasure each week to serve as your co-host, co-hosting along with ASU Athletic Director, Ray Anderson. Ray, good to see you. How you been? Fine, Tim. Good to see you again and hope all of our Sun Devil Athletic fans are doing well. So, know we have a lot to talk about. It's always good to get back with you, my friend. So, let's get after it. Let's do that. And uh, we have two special guests, by the way, joining us on this week's show. One of them a current and the other a former member of the Sun Devil Athletics Media Relations Department. In the early 2000s, Rhonda Lundine Bennett was a primary publicist for the ASU women's basketball team. Now, nearly two decades later, Rhonda is the Pac-12's new Associate Commissioner for Women's Basketball and Sports Management and takes that role at a time when the Pac-12 is asserting itself as one of the top women's basketball conferences in the nation. Rhonda will join us a little bit later in this week's show. So, too, will a current member of the Sun Devil Media Relations Department, Jeremy Hawks, who will talk about his role as the man in charge of the Arizona Cardinals' home stats crew, judged to have been the best in the NFL this past season, and the stats crew that crunched all the numbers for Super Bowl 57 just a couple of weeks ago over in Glendale. Well, this past Monday was President's Day, and the Sun Devil women's gymnastics team celebrated the holiday in historic fashion as Coach Jay Santos' uh, 22nd-ranked Gym Devils posted one of the greatest wins in ASU's program history, posting a season-high score of 197.550, which was also the 11th-highest meet score in program history. Sun Devil Gymnastics recorded ASU's first win over fourth-ranked Utah in 20 years and the first home win for the Sun Devils over the powerhouse Utes in gymnastics since the year 2000. It could not have been closer, Ray, as ASU outscored Utah 197.550 to 197.500, but the Gym Devils got it done for arguably the program's biggest win in the Jay Santos era. Uh, I think you're correct on that, Tim, and uh, we had a coaches meeting literally about an hour ago, and uh, everybody gave Jay uh, the ovation for what a performance yesterday. So uh, our women's gymnastics team under Jay's leadership is uh, really elevated. Uh, But you look at Utah and think of them as, very frankly, in a class of their own. So to be able to get the Utah team down here in our home gymnasium uh, and then beat them in front of our hometown crowd was certainly uh, exciting. And so Jay and the team done a great job and looking – uh, to keep advancing as we get toward uh, postseason, Tim. ASU gymnasts won four events in the uh, meet on Monday against Utah. Hannah Scharf won the all-around. Hannah Scharf and Sarah Clark teamed up to tie for first on the uneven bars, each with scores of 9.975. Scharf also won the floor exercise, while Anaya Smith won the vault with a score of 9.9. Some Fantastic numbers, Ray, put up by the Sun Devil gymnasts on Monday. 
Yes, and across the board, you know, when you have three or four of your student athletes performing at that level, uh, it gives you a chance. So from from uh, Hannah to Anai and the others, uh, really put up a, just a an exquisite performance uh, and uh, got the win, uh, an historic win, uh, 20 years uh, since the victory, and certainly beating them here on the home gym, Matt, again, Tim. Very exciting for our fans and the program. Indeed, because you have to remember that Utah is one of the Rolls-Royce programs in women's gymnastics and has been for a long time, hence the significance of this victory for Arizona State. This week, the Sun Devil gymnasts will be on the road in Seattle to take on the Washington Huskies, a meet that will start on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Well, last weekend was a highly productive one for both groups of uh, Arizona State's Diamond Devils. The Sun Devil baseball team ushered in year two of the Willie Bloomquist era and did so in style with a three-game series sweep of the San Diego State Aztecs at Phoenix Municipal Stadium. The Devils opened the season with a walk-off 6-5 to victory on Friday night, which I believe was the first walk-off win of the Bloomquist era at ASU. And ASU followed that up with victories of 5-3 to on Saturday and a thrilling one to nothing pitcher's duel on Sunday afternoon. And we mentioned pitching, Ray. That, I think, was perhaps the most encouraging aspect of the Sun Devils' opening weekend of work, especially in the final two games of this series, as uh, Sun Devil pitching held the Aztecs scoreless for 17 of the final 18 innings of the series, starting pitchers Christian Curtis, a transfer from Texas A&M, who went on Saturday, and left-hander Timmy Manning, a transfer from Florida, who threw the Sunday game, allowed a total of just four hits and no runs in 10 and two-thirds innings on the bump as the starting pitchers Saturday and Sunday. And then to cap things off, the Sunday game was won in relief by Eastern Illinois transfer Jesse Wainscott, who pitched two and a third innings, striking out six, and in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings in which he pitched, San Diego State had a runner at third, less than two outs in each inning, and failed to score. Yes, uh, Tim, and, and, and our fans know that as we saw the team last year, pitching was uh, our proverbial Achilles heel. It was indeed. And so Willie and staff went out this year to fortify uh, pitching, and they used the transfer portal uh, in a very exquisite manner, uh, and it's showing early outcomes that are positive. So uh, the way we won those games, particularly led by strong pitching, both uh, on the hump to start and when we needed it from the bullpen, two very encouraging signs. So the pitching, uh, if it holds up, uh, bodes well for us having a very strong season, but certainly off to a strong start with a sweep against a traditionally very, very strong program in San Diego State. Well, this weekend, boy, what a weekend it should be for Sun Devil Baseball, a highly anticipated trip to SEC country for Coach Bloomquist and his squad as the Devils will travel to Starkville, Mississippi for a big three-game series against traditional college baseball powerhouse Mississippi State, a three-game series that will be played at the Bulldogs' home field, Duty Noble Field, which is one of the most raucous and challenging venues in all of college baseball. Willie told me earlier this year, Ray, he wanted to toughen his team up a little bit and boy, this will uh, this will do the job. Uh, going on the road for three games against a Mississippi State program that's just two years removed from being college baseball's national champion. 
Uh, and agreed, Tim. And, you know, that's what our student-athletes want. That's what our fans want. They want to go play the best. So the thing I love about Willie is he's not backing down. So to go on the road early in the season to a place like Mississippi State shows a real commitment to exposing your student-athletes to the highest level of comp, uh, competition and, it, and indeed exposing the program nationally uh, to, to a national crowd who wants to see Arizona State playing the best people out there. So uh, a tough road trip to Mississippi State by design. It's deliberate. Uh, we'll go down there and have a very competitive showing. That's nothing but positive for our student-athlete experiences and for the program at large. Well, we're proud to say that the Sun Devil Radio Network will be making the trip to Starkville as well to broadcast all three games of the ASU Mississippi State Series on the radio. Sun Devil Hockey radio analyst Alex Coyle will be heading to Starkville to handle the play-by-play duties alongside of our regular baseball analyst, former Sun Devil catcher Max Rossiter. The series opener this Friday, February 24th, will air starting at 2.45 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and that game will be broadcast on KAZG 14.40 a.m. and the Sun Devil Radio Network. The Saturday and Sunday games will return to ASU's normal baseball radio home, KDUS 1060 a.m. Saturday's game will start at 4 o'clock Arizona time. Sunday's series finale will hit the airwaves at 11.45 a.m. Arizona time with first pitch scheduled for around 12 noon. Should be a great weekend. Tune in and enjoy all the action with Alex and Max on the Sun Devil Radio Network from what the place they call Stark Vegas, Starkville, Mississippi. Meanwhile, Sun Devil softball off to a fast start in year one under new head coach Megan Bartlett as ASU for the second straight weekend won four out of five games at a weekend tournament. This tournament this past weekend was ASU's own Littlewood Classic at Farrington Stadium. And after dropping a 10-5 decision to BYU in their home opener and the opening game of that tournament last Thursday night, Sun Devil softball proceeded to win four in a row over the rest of the weekend, defeating Portland State, Illinois State, DePaul and Weber State with two of those four victories coming via eight to nothing five inning run rule victories. And the star of the weekend, Ray, was none other than Arizona State first baseman Jordan Van Hook, as the senior from Woodland Hills, California, was named earlier this week the Pac 12 Player of the Week after she went nine for 14 with four home runs and 10 RBIs over the course of the weekend. Yes, Jordan's certainly gotten off to a strong start, and so Megan Bartlett, our new softball coach, is certainly off to an equally strong start, uh, eight and two uh, overall these first two weekends. And uh, the thing that's surprising is uh, there was some thought that maybe we wouldn't be hitting the long ball the way we did last year. Uh, Well, the start of the season uh, appears to make that a contrary statement because I think we're hitting home runs uh, at a rate higher than any other team in the Pac-12, certainly. Uh, and so you get Jordan going four for nine with four home <laughs> runs, uh, and that really uh, shows that we're out there to play good, solid baseball overall. Uh, but we're also going to hit the long ball. Uh, and in softball, that's a positive. You put all that together, and certainly the team and Coach Bartlett are off to a fantastic start, Tim. Now 8-2 and two on the season. Sun Devil softball will hit the road once again this weekend. excuse me, as they will head to Cathedral City, California, near Palm Springs for the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic, where, again, it'll be five games, 
This time, five games in three days for the Sun Devils. Their opponents will be Loyola Marymount, another matchup with Portland State, Bethune-Cookman, UC San Diego, and Long Beach State. Let's talk some hoops now. Sun Devil men's basketball earned a split of their final two home games of the regular season this past weekend at Desert Financial Arena. And here's a, a statistical quirk for you. Both games ended in identical final scores, 67-59. to 59. Thursday night, it was Colorado taking control late in the game to beat Arizona State. When on Saturday, Bobby Hurley's club flipped the script, and they finished strong to win over Utah, 67-59. With that victory, the Sun Devils finished the weekend tied for fourth place in the Pac-12 standings. <coughs> Excuse me. If the season ended now, Arizona State would be the number four seed in next month's Pac-12 tournament, meaning the Devils would earn a first-round bye at the conference tournament in Las Vegas. But, Ray, to keep that number four seed, ASU is going to have to find some wins in their extremely difficult closing stretch of their schedule, three straight tough road games starting this Saturday at fourth-ranked Arizona, or excuse me, seventh-ranked Arizona, and then continuing next weekend on the road at number four UCLA and at USC. Yeah, so so true, Tim. And I was at both of those games. So to get the 67-59 score uh, in both against us on the first, but for us on the second was uh, quite ironic. But a uh, real important uh, win in the split against Utah. Uh, and now of those three games coming up uh, need to do well because we were not projected uh, to finish in the top four. I think some people had us six. Some people had us as far down, I believe, as nine. So uh, the team has done well, but we've got to finish strong. So to get that uh, number four seed in the Pac-12 tournament and get the bye is a really important uh, goal for us uh, as we look to have a good tournament and then hopefully get a chance to advance to the postseason at the NCAA tournament. So uh, starting this Saturday and then next week, very tough road, but, you know, all very Winnable games if we play our best, because we can do it, Tim. Our Sun Devil Radio Network broadcast of Saturday's Territorial Cup game in Tucson will air at 11.30 a.m. this Saturday on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, as well as on the AZ Sports app. The Sun Devil women's basketball team heads out for its final road trip of the regular season this weekend. Coach Natasha Adair's squad will be in the state of Oregon for games against the Oregon State Beavers this Thursday night, February 23rd, at Gill Coliseum in Corvallis, and then uh, Saturday afternoon, a 1 o'clock tip-off at Matthew Knight Arena in Eugene, Oregon, against the Ducks. And those will be the final two opportunities for the Sun Devils to uh, get a couple of Pac-12 wins this year as ASU has fallen to 0-16 in league play after home losses this past weekend to Colorado and to fourth rank, then fourth rank, now number 8, Utah. And, Ray, that 74-69 to senior day loss to the Utah Utes was particularly frustrating as the Sun Devils put forth a terrific effort that nearly enabled them to pull off a stunner against the then fourth-ranked Utes. Uh, yes, and, and played competitively uh, the game before against Colorado. So uh, what you've certainly seen is a, a team that has come through some uh, adversity, uh, but they continue to play competitively, and certainly they – uh, the outing against Utah was reflective of that. Uh, had a chance to win that game, and as you say, pulled a stunning upset, but it wasn't meant to be. Uh, Utah's ranked number uh, uh, four in the country and number two in the uh, Pac-12 for a reason, 
Uh, and once they got their game together and tightened up their defense and then started putting down the, the shots, then it made it tough for us. And then they got all the free throws at the end, Tim. But our ladies played uh, very well from start to finish. In, in my view, it was the best outing I had seen them play uh, from start to finish all year. So some real positive signs now. The challenge is go up to Oregon, win a game, or hap- uh, hopefully two uh, and, and get that first win in the Pac-12 Conference under Natasha Adair. A longtime radio voice of Sun Devil women's basketball, Jeff Munn, will be with the Devils in Oregon this weekend. He'll bring you all the action of the games at Oregon State and Oregon. Thursday's game in Corvallis airs at 7.30 p.m., Sunday's contest at 12.30, and both games can be heard on KDUS 10.60 a.m. One of the reasons for the challenges Sun Devil women's basketball has faced this year is the fact that the Pac-12 Conference is as tough and competitive a league as there is in the nation in 2023. Coming up, we'll visit with the woman who oversees the sport of women's basketball for the Pac-12 Conference, a woman who was formerly a member of the Arizona State University Athletics family as well. You'll meet her when we return in a moment. But first, let's take a time out here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Hey, it's Paul Calvisi, and if there's one thing all top teams have in common, it's consistent performance. And that's what you're going to find up and down the full lineup of Ford trucks and SUVs. From tailgating to towing, on the job or on vacation, Ford has the right vehicle for you with performance that never quits. See that full Ford lineup today. Just stop by your Arizona Ford dealers or visit buyfordnow.com. Proud partner of the ASU Sun Devils. Go Devils. 75% of the electricity you're using is on products that are turned off. And your ceiling fan could cost you up to $5,000 over its lifetime. Sun Devils fans, you know your sports stats. At Elevation, we know the stats that can help save your wallet and the world. Visit PoweredByElevation.com and learn how our full suite of smart solar solutions can make a powerful difference today. Elevation is a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Forks up, bills down. Get your forks up, Sun Devil fans, because Bar S, the number one selling hot dog brand in America, is now a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. From hot dogs and sausages to bacon, ham, turkey, corn dogs, and more, Bar S offers an all-star lineup of delicious mealtime and game-time meat. Grab one of the new Bar S Sun Devil sausages next time you're at the stadium and head to your nearest grocery store to score some Bar S today. Bar S, a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. We continue now on the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. This is the weekly program that gets you up to speed on all the latest news in Arizona State University's Sun Devil Athletics. Along with ASU Athletic Director Ray Anderson, I'm Tim Healy, the voice of the Sun Devils, and we're glad you're with us this week. It is a pleasure to have the opportunity to welcome our first guest this week to the Anderson Healy Show as it presents us a chance to catch up with a long-lost friend. In the early 2000s, Rhonda Lundeen was a highly respected member of the Sun Devil Athletics media relations staff, with one of her primary responsibilities being as the chief publicist for the ASU women's basketball team, coached by Charlie Turner Thorne. From ASU, Rhonda moved on to the University of Nevada, where she spent nearly two decades in athletics administration, eventually becoming a senior associate athletic director at Nevada as well as uh, the senior women's administrator for the Wolfpack. And during her time at Nevada, she also served 
for six years as chair of the NCAA Division I Women's Basketball Committee. Well, this past summer, Rhonda Lundine Bennett returned to the Pac-12, where she was named the conference's Associate Commissioner for Women's Basketball and Sports Management, with the task of heading up the Pac-12's effort to advance and grow the sport of women's basketball in the conference. Rhonda joins us this week here on the Anderson Healy Show. Boy, it's been a long time, my friend. You said, what, 17 years since you left ASU. It seemed to me to go by in a heartbeat. How about for you? Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like 17 years. Absolutely. Uh, First of all, congratulations on uh, your new position with the Pac-12. So well-deserved. Those of us who knew you during your time here at ASU those many years ago are so proud of the terrific career you've enjoyed since leaving Tempe. How do you reflect back on the professional journey you've experienced here these last couple of decades? I think it's just been really special and a great opportunity for me um, to advance and move into administration and, and really be able to contribute to the sport of women's basketball. Um, and women's sports in general. It's just been a really, really great career for me, and I'm so excited. It feels full circle to be back here working with Pac-12 Women's Basketball again. Now, we mentioned a moment ago your focus is helping to advance the brand of uh, Pac-12 Women's Basketball, and I must say (laughs) you're off to a great start in that regard. Five of the top 21 teams in this week's Associated Press Top 25 Women's Basketball Poll come from, as our buddy Bill Walton likes to call it, the Conference of Champions. You have number three, Stanford, eighth-ranked Utah, number 14, Arizona, 17th-ranked UCLA, and 21st-ranked Colorado. In addition, USC was ranked prior to last week, and you have Washington State, Washington, and Oregon, all with winning records late in the season. Uh, What's your overview, Rhonda, of this terrific year? that uh, Pac-12 women's basketball is enjoying right now? Well, I couldn't have picked a better season to start my first year with Pac-12 women's basketball. We're just having a phenomenal season, and I think you see from top to bottom the roster of the teams that everybody's doing better, everyone deserves to be in that national conversation. Um, even you know, even teams that maybe didn't start out as well are playing really competitively now and, and beating our top teams. So I just don't think you find a league that's better top to bottom than the Pac-12. Boy, even just two years ago, I think we saw the early signs of it when you had two Pac-12 teams, Stanford and Arizona, compete in the national championship game uh, at the Final Four. What do you think are some of the factors, Rhonda, that have accounted for the league's uh, rise and its uh, increased strength as a women's basketball conference these last couple of years? Well, I think it really comes down to the commitment of our institutions. You know, I think our schools and our conference have really committed to women's basketball and providing them the resources that they need to play at the top level. And then we just have women who continue to come to our league, special, talented women who are great on and off the course, um, who really want to have that great educational experience as well as that high-level athletic experience that are choosing our conference. And you see, you know, the top recruiting classes that we've had in the past and continue to have the number of McDonald's Old Americans, um, and then just women that really devote themselves to our league and playing at that highest level. And, and I can't say enough about our coaches, too. I think if you look at our coaches, we have some of the best coaches in, in the country who are really committed to growth and development and potential of our young women in our league. And certainly the name right at the top of that list, of course, is Stanford's legendary Tara Vanderveer, who has built a dynasty in uh, Palo Alto with the uh, Stanford women's basketball. 
Uh, how important do you feel that is uh, when you're trying to build the brand, the league, to have a, an anchor program like Stanford that uh, is just so good year in and year out? Well, I think it's definitely set the Stanford, not just in our conference, but across the country. You know, I think a lot of our programs, as they aspire to be what Stanford is, is what they've accomplished over the years, can look to Tara and her program as a blueprint of how to do it, how to do it the right way, how to do it with young women who are amazing students and great athletes and go on to hold leadership positions and, and do all kinds of great things. Um, so I think that that's just a great blueprint for everyone in our league. Now, certainly the outstanding play of the conference's teams is the primary method of uh, building the brand of Pac-12 women's basketball. But from the perspective of your job, Rhonda, what are some of the other off-the-court ways that you feel as though perhaps you can accomplish that same objective? Well, I think that NCAA basketball experience I've had really helps. You know, having been on the committee, knowing what the committee is looking for and how they do their job, how they select the team, seed them, bracket them. I think I can provide valuable information and, and insight to our teams um, and have those conversations with, with the community to continue to work on getting more of our teams into the tournament, seated higher, um, hosting games, sent, sent great places where they have a chance to be successful. You know, I think the other thing that, that I think I bring that's unique is my media relations background helps to be able to, you know, talk to media and, and do some things to help get our teams out there and in the national fold. Absolutely. Now here at Arizona State, the sad irony, I guess you could say, is that in a year when Pac-12 women's basketball is achieving great overall success, as, we, as we've discussed the last few minutes, the Sun Devil program of first-year head coach Natasha Adair is uh, struggling through one of the toughest seasons in program history. As we do this interview, ASU is 7-18 and 18 and still winless 0-16 in Pac-12 play. What's your take on the current state of Sun Devil women's basketball? Well, I think it's hard when you have so many newcomers. You know, I know there's a lot of roster turnover, and and all year you've seen Arizona State compete. I mean, the Sun Devils have been in so many games. I mean, even this last weekend against Utah, it was it came down to that last couple possessions. So I think it's been a challenging season for them, but I think there's a lot of glimmers of hope and, think, and success in the future for them to build upon after this year. I mean, I think everybody has that year where the ball just doesn't bounce your way. And I think they've had a, quite a few games this year where that ball just didn't go in or that shot didn't fall or they didn't get that rebound. Um, and that can just be really frustrating. But one thing I've really noticed with watching Arizona State all year is just every game they come into it with a positive attitude and, and play hard. And, and I'm sure Natasha is really proud of the way that they've just continued to persevere this year. Absolutely. Now, when you worked here at ASU from, I think it was 1999 to 2005, you were in charge, as we mentioned earlier in introducing you, you were handling media relations for the Sun Devil Women's Program during what I guess you could call the formative years of Charlie Turner Thorne's program building here in Tempe. What are your reflections on that period of time with Sun Devil Women's Basketball? That's when, that's when Charlie really started to get her program off the ground and emerging into what eventually became one of the very best programs in the Pac-12. That had to have been an exciting time for you, as it was for Sun Devil women's basketball and its fans. It really was, Tim. I mean, that, that era was so fun. I mean, so many firsts, of whether it was the first Pac-10 regular season championship, winning that first Pac-10 tournament at Mint Court in Eugene, 
um, and just those, those women that join the program and transfer from other places, um, as well as those freshmen that have lots of places they could have gone but chose to come to ASU and build that program. Um, we just had a lot of fun. I mean, I remember things like the outdoor game at Bankland Ballpark, um, hosting Hopes for the Cure uh, classic a couple years later when we had teams like Purdue and Vanderbilt in the building. I mean, just we just did so many fun and innovative things, and then our team just performed. You know, one of the, the last things I remember is the year that we went to the Sweet 16 um, for the first time in that group. And that was all the freshmen, you know, people who had been freshmen in our first Pac-12 or Pac-10 championship at that point, but now we're leading the team on their own and getting the, getting us into the Sweet 16 and, and having us to host. I think we played North Carolina. Those are such great memories um, of young women who've also gone on to, to be mothers, and have careers. It's just really fun to, to have been a part of that. What were some of the qualities you observed in Charlie that, in your opinion, made her the great coach that she was? I think it was her work ethic and just her tenaciousness. I mean, I think she coached the way that she played um, and how her team took on her identity, whether it was that defensive mentality and, and just the substitution patterns and everybody played a role. Um, I think that was what was really special about what she did. And I think Charlie's just a really caring person who cared about every person in her program, whether it was, you know, me as an SID to the managers, the coaches, the student athletes. I think there was always a lot of care in the program, and, and she just really pushed everybody, but also provided that human touch with them. How about some of the players you remember most from your days with the Sun Devils? Well, I think players like Amanda Levins, who I actually ended up hiring as head coach in Nevada, um, you know, Mel Johnson, uh, Betsy Gordman, Kyla Maloney, Sion Carvalho, um, Leah Combs, just all, all those players that played however many experiences they were asked. You know, Carrie Buckner shooting by Nicole Powell and, and we get Stanford is something I'll never forget. So just lots and lots of players who did great things. And, and whether they were playing 38 minutes a game or 18 minutes a game, just came, came and showed up every day and did their job. And, and were also great students off the court. What were some miss, of your other members? I know I miss oh. players and they're going to kill me for not mentioning them, but um, <laughs> I think everybody associated with the program when I was there was just really special. It was great to hear you recite some of those names because they do bring back such great memories of a terrific time for uh, Sun Devil women's hoops. What are some of your other memories of your time at Arizona State? Because you were involved with more sports than just uh, women's basketball. Yeah, I worked with football and women's golf and had great experiences there too. Um, you know, with, with football, just going to some bowl games and, and some of the quarterbacks and, and great receivers that we had. You know, I remember going to Orlando with Sean McDonald and Charles Muggs when they won the ESPN award or were up for ESPN awards. That was really fun. Um, but also other things like, you know, traveling with women's golf to the NCAA championships and, and seeing those golfers be able to play and do their thing. Um, win tournaments, host tournaments, host regionals. It was, it was a great time to be at ASU. And these, of course, are changing times in college athletics and certainly in the Pac-12 and the conference is about to lose two of the better women's basketball programs in the league when UCLA and USC head off to the Big Ten in 2024. Uh, talk about the challenges that'll present from your perspective in terms of keeping Pac-12 women's basketball as relevant uh, then on the national stage as it clearly is right now. 
yeah, I think we were all, you know, disappointed to see USC and UCLA leave the league, um, but have confidence in, in our future. You know, certainly have some great programs in our league, not just USC and UCLA. And I know that our confidence as a whole is committed to women's basketball. And, you know, you look at some of the recruiting classes that we have in, and we know, you know Oregon State had one of the top recruiting classes. Um, I'm really excited about about their future. So I really don't think we're going to miss a beat. Um, you know, we'll have to see how this all shakes out with the membership of, of the Pac-12 um, after USC and UCLA leave. But I think we all have great faith and confidence that we'll continue to be one of the top women's basketball conferences in the country. Well, again, it's great to have you back in the Pac-12, Rhonda, and great to have you join us here on the show. All the best to you, my friend. Stay well and I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. That's Pac-12 Associate Women's Basketball Commissioner Rhonda Lundine Bennett, our guest this week here on the Anderson Healy Show. Up next, you will meet a current member of the ASU Media Relations Department, a gentleman who in his spare time heads up the Arizona Cardinals Best in the NFL Game Day Stats Crew, a crew that uh, recently handled the stats at Super Bowl 57 in Glendale. Jeremy Hawks will join us in a moment, but first, Let's take a break. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. Y'all feeling lucky? Luke Combs here, and I have an exclusive opportunity for you to win a half a million dollars by joining me in the Living Lucky with Luke Combs Lottery Experience. When it rains, it pours for lucky fans and lottery players who enter to win a chance of a lifetime. Join me in Nashville for a private concert at the iconic Ryman Auditorium in 2024. One lucky winner will have the chance to walk away with a half million dollars at the end of the show. Enter eligible tickets on the Arizona Lottery Players Club by February 28th. Learn more at azplayersclub.com. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Your moment has arrived. Welcome to Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Bigger, bolder, and better with so much more to offer. Grab a cold drink and cool off in a cabana at our all-new resort pool. Or take a taste of the here and now with even more dining destinations to choose from, including our new rooftop restaurant and lounge, Prime, a Shula Steakhouse. It's time to own your moment. So you do you. It's now time for the official Game Time Munchies break with a cold, tasty brew from Lagunitas. When you're hungry from raising the pitchforks high, reach for the highly balanced Lagunitas IPA. It's wow with wings, perfection with pizza, and nearly unmatchable with nachos. Their IPA just goes with football food. We're proud to call them the official craft beer of Sun Devil Athletics. The Lagunitas Brewing Company, Petaluma, California. Drink Lagunitas responsibly. Hey, welcome you back to the Anderson Movie Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. Along with Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson, I'm Tim Dealey, the radio voice of Sun Devil Football, Men's Basketball, and Baseball, and your co-host for this week's show. Our guest on this segment is generally the person who helps me get my interviews with Sun Devil student-athletes on a weekly basis during ASU's football and baseball seasons. But in this segment, he is going to be the interview subject, and with good reason. 
By day, Jeremy Hawks is a communications specialist in the ASU Athletics Media Relations Department with baseball and football, his two main sports of responsibility. However, on weekends in the fall, you might say Jeremy moonlights as the man in charge of the stats crew at Arizona Cardinals home football games. Not only was his stats crew the highest rated such group in the entire National Football League this past season, but Jeremy also had the honor earlier this month of leading the stats crew at Super Bowl 57 at State Farm Stadium in Glendale. They were the folks who crunched all the numbers for what ended up being one of the most thrilling Super Bowls in NFL history, the game won by the Kansas City Chiefs in the closing moments over the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35. Jeremy Hawks joins us now as a guest on this segment of this week's Anderson Healy Show. So how does it feel being on the other side of the media interview process? You know, I try and avoid this as much as possible. Uh, you know, I got in this field to be be the guy behind the curtain, not the guy in front of it. But I'm glad, glad to be here and, and happy to always happy to talk with you, Tim. Well, I appreciate that, my friend. Uh, what a thrill it must have been, though, for you, Jeremy, to be in charge of the stats crew at the vis- most visible and most popular sporting event in America each year. What was that feeling like for you? I saw you took some really good photos and put them out on uh, Twitter and social media. It had to be a special moment for you. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. It's uh, it, it's so funny because, you know, going into the, the day, I was kind of like, ah, oh, it's just another football game. Um, and that's kind of <laughs> the mindset I think I have to have, you know, when you're in charge of the stats, just trying to keep myself even keeled. But um, uh, once I got there and, you know, well, after about a 90 minutes of trying to get to our parking spot, uh, <laughs> walking into the field, the, walking up to the stadium was a, was a good time. Um, and that's kind of when it hit me when you see all the signage around, you know, State Farm Stadium and, and just kind of feel the palpable energy uh, of that place. Um, and then you get inside and, and then you, you realize, wow, like I'm here. Uh, this is <laughs> this is this is the Super Bowl. And. You know, we, we I made sure that I took my stat crew down around the concourse level and into the stands because we got there really early and we just wanted to make sure that um, they got the opportunity to, to take it all in and, and, and be a part of realizing, you know, what they were being a part of. So um, it was a great time. It was uh, incredibly stressful uh, once the game got started because you realized that, you know, um, every single play and, and stat is being tracked in, in some way, shape or form. And. Uh, people are just hanging on to every single, you know, thing I'm typing into the computer. So, um, but it, it was a hectic, you know, three hours or so of the game. But once it was over, it was, and it was nice to kind of like, take a breath as as the confetti started coming down and, and realize that we got through it all. Wow, that's 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 a great story. Yeah, this was, if I'm not mistaken, your second Super Bowl, right? Correct. It was my second one. We did the the last one that was here in Phoenix as well. Which uh, so I, I mean I mean, I've been pretty lucky because that one was the end that ended on the the one that ended on the late interception. Patriots Seahawks, right? Yep, yep. What the one where uh, Seattle decided not to hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the the goal line, <laughs> and uh, uh, I think we were as surprised as everybody else for that one. So it was my second one. I don't know what it was about this one um, that kind of made it. Yeah, I, I, it was just way more exciting to me. And that might be because I just absolutely loathe the Seahawks and Patriots. So um, but this one, you know, it was a great game. You couldn't ask for anything better. And uh, it was just such a, you know, electric atmosphere and, uh, and a great time. Yeah. And I think it was reflected in the TV ratings. It was one of the most highly rated uh, Super Bowls of all time as well. It was, it was. And it, it's just so funny. Uh, you, you sit there for, 
58 minutes of the game and you're like, man, this is one of the greatest games. And it just kind of ended, you know, it felt to me a little anticlimactic in the grand scheme of things, uh, just the way it ended. But um, I was, (laughs) I was grateful a little bit in a sense, because especially when uh, Philadelphia got the ball in the last possession, because you kind of expect laterals and and just hectic chaos going on. And uh, so Jalen Hurts did did me and my stat crew a favor by, (laughs) by sailing one about 20 yards short of the end zone and sparing me having to (laughs) figure all those out for the stats. That's the truth. So how did you get started doing stats for NFL games? I have to believe it's kind of a challenging field to break into at first, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was very lucky to kind of be in the right place at the, the right time. Uh, it started when I came to ASU in uh, 2011. And I, um, uh, the, when I started working at ASU, I replaced uh, a, a fellow called Alex Ryan. And he was the one that I um, replaced at ASU as a track and field uh, SID and wrestling and water polo. Um, mm-hmm. and he also happened to work on the stat crew for the Cardinals. And I had, I had familiarity with, you know, stat working on stats for, from, you know, my undergrad years. And, uh, I, so he was like, Hey, just take my spot on the Cardinals and, and we'll go from there. So I did that. I worked with uh, John Olson, who, um, is a legendary name, you know, throughout the Valley when it comes to the sports realm, uh, sports statistics realm. You know, he did it for everything, literally every sport. You see his name you know, everywhere and um, taught me everything I knew about, you know, doing it for the NFL, which is a, a little different than everything I had done for college. And um, unfortunately, about two years into my tenure with the Cardinals, uh, John passed away. Yeah. And um, it, that was a tough time. And, and I think he, I, if I remember correctly, he passed away on the day of a uh, Cardinals game and uh, on the morning of the Cardinals game and it was it was really hard and I remember getting a call from his longtime uh, partner uh, in the stats realm Jerry Olson and um, he was like hey John passed away he, you know we're all hurting but like we we still need to make sure we get this game done today and so he was like I need he's like I, I know this is hard to ask of you but can you just kind of be the person that, that t- takes the lead and, and leads us through this game and um we got through it and then the following year you know when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for a long-term solution the the cardinals you know brought me in and said you know uh we appreciate everything you did we think that you are kind of a young and up and coming and you know savvy mind when it comes to these statistics and we want you to kind of oversee uh what we're doing here and then that was kind of how i assumed the role as the head of the stat crew and here we are about eight years later yeah Wow. I remember when John's passing, that was a very sad time because, you, like you said, his name was like an institution in uh, sports statistics uh, here in the Phoenix area. Explain to our viewers and listeners exactly what the stats crew does, not only at an NFL game, but at a college football game as well. Some fans might think there's one or two people next to an adding machine or a calculator uh, keeping track of plays. But you have, a, I think, about an eight or nine person crew uh uh, there's a lot more involved than maybe the uh, fans realize. Yeah, so I think the, the the easiest way for to kind of explain to the fans what we're doing is, you know, when you fire up your ESPN app to check on a score of a game somewhere, uh, check the box score or whatever, everything you're seeing uh, is coming from my stats computer, whether that's at co- the college level or the NFL level. Um, we enter in every single play that's happening, and we have we have programs, and so like there, there are two separate programs, but um, 
but we're the ones that enter in every single play. And those are the, and these are the official stats. So, you know, when you're watching a game on TV um, and they're showing the stat lines of a quarterback or, or any of that, um, that's all coming from my computer. Uh, everything that, you know, in today's day and age that people are betting on the overs and unders and, and all that prop bets for guys, statistical lines comes from my computer. Uh, everything when you're playing and the big one now is uh, fantasy football. So our stats are the do all end all for fantasy football. And so when you uh, lose your fantasy football game by one yard and, and you're, you're shaking your fist at the, oh, the, the gods that do the statistics, uh, that's <laughs> unfortunately me. Um, so that's kind of what we're, we oversee as far as everything goes. Um, what our, our stat crew itself um, for the NFL consists of, there are about, yeah, like you said, about nine of us in the, in the, in the, in the, the scores booth. Uh, myself, I'm the one on the computer, and I'm typing in everything that people are saying around me. So we kind of have a cadence of, you know, one person's calling offense, the next person calls or calls the play that happens on the field, another person's calling the tackle and defense. Then we go back to another person who calls out the final yard lines and all of that. And so everything is just kind of it's, – it's very hectic, and it's all coming in, like, codes and stuff, and people say it in, in ways that – um, you know, it's almost like a foreign language if you were to come in there and just not have, not know what's going on. Um, and so those are, that's, that's the main thing. I have a, a person that sits next to me for every game that writes every play down uh, in the uh, in, just in case, you know, our system crashes, which has happened uh, on several <laughs> occasions, as you know, from our past uh, ASU season. Um, so that's we have a we have a written documentation of every play in case we fall behind or need to catch up. Uh, in addition to that, for the NFL specifically, um, just because going back to what we were saying about how important it is to be accurate on every single play with your statistics, uh, we have one person that audits everything live. So they are making sure that I don't have any typos when I type anything in, uh, making sure that um, I, I not, not even just typos, just making sure that and sometimes there'll be times where I'm just trying to catch up and I put the bare bones in and they fill in kind of the, the rest of the information and then we have a second person who has an instant replay computer in front of him, and he rewatches every single play and double checks it against what we've entered in. So we have two audit systems. In addition to that, uh, we always have two people following us in New York at the NFL offices who are auditing every single play as well. So um, that's about five sets of checks and balances to make sure that we're getting everything as accurate as possible. Um, and we've been... Um, you know, I, I, I take great pride in the fact that we have been the most accurate uh, stacker in the National Football League for the last two seasons. So um, my my uh, supervisor from the NFL, Ali Auerbach, he was here for the Super Bowl and uh, he he asked us if we were going to go for a three peat next year. And I told him that we we're going to get this dynasty started. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, that's. That's got to be so rewarding uh, to be recognized like that by the National Football League. And uh, as ASU's director of baseball information, uh, I should let our listeners know that Jeremy is the official scorer for Sun Devil home baseball games during the course of the season. How does that job compare with what you do with the Cardinals on Sundays in the fall? Well, I'll tell you right now, the baseball is the only sport in my life where I've been booed at before <laughs> for my scoring decisions. So uh, we actually had an instance uh, this weekend where uh, I got a, I got a little uh, jeered at, and people were a little snappy at me on one of our scoring call on one of my scoring calls at the game. But uh, the big one that for people who don't realize is I'm the one that's in charge of hits and errors, which are always you know. Uh, 
comes to, it's very, you know, there's a lot of nuances that go into it and mm-hmm. whatever choice you make, kind of those 50, 50 plays, one team's going to be happy and the other one's not. Um, but, uh, I, I will tell I will say this, that to the people who are listening that may have been there that night and, and shaking their fists up at the press box, uh, both coaches on that particular call said I was 100% correct on it. And, uh, I'm just going to stick to that. So, uh, <laughs> next time somebody wants to come up to the press box and uh, yell at me, which is exactly what happened on Friday night. Um, I'll just remind them that that's, that's the case. So. <laughs> no, you do a great job. And that, that's a, that's a challenging no win. Uh, my late former broadcast partner, Bob Eager, uh, was a longtime official scorer for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, uh, he told me some of the stories and that's, that, that is always a challenge, you know, hits errors. Sometimes it's wild. Is it a wild pitch or a pass ball wow. and things yep, of that yep, nature? Yep. And of course, uh, batting averages are impacted. Earned run averages can be impacted by all that, but, uh, it's funny because you, you, I, th- I would say I honestly have more stress picking between a hit and an error call um, at an ASU baseball game than I ever do in any of my statistical duties for the NFL. So yes, it is. I can imagine. How would you describe or compare the satisfaction you get from doing the stats work? Uh, vis-a-vis what you derive from uh, your roles with uh, the ASU baseball and football programs as a media relations director? Uh, honestly, I, I, I keep them, uh, uh, you know, a little separate um, in my mind, at least, you know, it, for this, it's, it's just like when you're, when you're doing the stats, you're just very much in the moment and you, you can't focus on anything else and you can't be a fan or, or think about, you know, what people's opinion of you is going to be afterwards. If you short of a, a catch or, a, you know, you know, hit or error for baseball or whatever it is. And, um, but, uh, you know, what I do, it all, it all coincides. Cause you know that what you're doing is, um, it, it's all what helps these guys in their long-term careers, especially at the college level. And, um, you know, that everything, you, and that's why you want to be as accurate as possible because you realize that, you know, these, these stats are important um, you want to make sure you're not, you're you're doing you know as good of a job as possible because people are going to be looking at these stats at it, at the college level and they're going to want to you know these players are going to have agents someday and they're going to be promoting these statistics and all these sort of things. So you know everything I do at ASU for my main job is you know all about promoting our student athletes and that's you know my passion. It's what I love. Um, all the stuff that I do for the statistics and stuff outside of that, it's fun and I, I enjoy it, but. Um, as you said before, it's more moonlighting than what I do, you know, in my, mm-hmm. my day-to-day life with, with the Sundown Athletics program. So uh, for me, it's just, you know, it's all part of the same thing. I'm, I'm trying to do the best and do right by my student athletes. Um, that's all I care about at the end of the day. And, and that's what led me to this career. So, And boy, you've had a chance to work with some high profile student athletes in recent years in those two sports in particular from, Spencer Torkelson in baseball to guys like Nikhil Harry, Brandon Ayuk, and Eno Benjamin in football. Are there any that have stood out to you, some of your uh, favorites that you've worked with over the last few years? Uh, Tork Tor- stands out to me the most just because, you know, with a, in the long base, with the course of a baseball season, you spend, you know, nearly every day over the course of three, four months with these guys. Uh, you know, when you're playing four games a week, 
uh, when you are traveling on another one of those days, when you're here for practices. I mean, it, it really is, you know, six to seven days that I see these guys. And so uh, for a guy like Torque, it's just so funny and surreal um, to see him, you know, take the stage for the Tigers now. Cause I just, all, all I can remember from, I, I have a, great, a lot of great Torque stories, but my, uh, <laughs> my, some of my favorite, like we always would exchange. So I, I have an unhealthy energy drink addiction. So it's really something I need to work <laughs> on, but, uh, he and I were both really big Red Bull guys. And we would, every single, you know, we would, we would off with every single weekend, each one of us would bring the other one. Cause you always get like two for one, whatever at that circle K. And so, um, we would always bring the other person a Red Bull. We just alternate back and forth going. And so it's just so funny now seeing a guy that I had just such a, like a silly sort of relationship with, with sharing Red Bulls that now he's the guy that, you know, he's, he's the number one pick at the, the yeah. MLB draft. And he's, you know, the future of the Tigers franchise and, um, just surreal and awesome. I, I'm so happy for him. He is one of the greatest kids I've ever worked with. Um, and and I just, I'm, I'm grateful for those little moments because those are the ones that are kind of like the most fun for me, for sure. Yeah, calling those torque bombs was a lot of fun the three years that uh, he played at Arizona State and uh, some great football players as well. Um, you know, you and I are going to be seeing a lot of each other over the next couple of months out at Phoenix Muni in our respective roles with uh, Sun Devil Baseball. And uh, because of my uh, illness, I wasn't able to be out to the park this weekend for the opening uh, series against San Diego State. But you were there. Uh, give us uh, some first impressions of uh, Willie Bloomquist's 2023 club as they pulled off a three-game sweep. I watched uh, the games on the uh, uh, the stream and uh, – the thing that uh, blew me away, Jeremy, was the pitching, especially on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we got, to, we got guys that can spin it this year. And I think it's, you know, one week it's a, it's a small sample size. Uh, but it's, sure. I think anybody that was here or watched the games, um, you, if you if you had followed us the last couple of years um, and saw what we did this weekend and, and kind of the moxie we had on the mound and, and the ability to get out of jams, um, you know, in previous years, we're probably 0-3 after opening weekend, to be honest. And we just had guys that stepped up in the moment um, that, that, you know, threw strikes, which is what we've had a lot of problems with in the last couple of years, um, and, and just made big pitches and clutch moments. And it was just – it was it was fun to see. Um, they, I mean, it, we have guys that like – Christian Curtis is absolutely electric if, you know – uh, Texas A&M transfer just uh, sitting mid nineties, the whole game, he, he t- almost touched 98, um, just an arm that, you know, people who have followed this program for, I mean, I've been working with the program for the last seven, eight years now. Um, we've never had a weekend starter sitting at 96, <laughs> yeah. said, you know, how harsh should play a little bit, but, uh, I think the biggest difference now is we have three guys, all three of our starters, you know, Ross Dunn, Christian Curtis and Timmy Manning. Um, they all just pitched electrically. And so, you know, if we can, you know, not a lot of schools, regardless, even in the SEC, have the luxury of having three uh, effective weekend starters. So, you know, if we can if we can get this thing going with those three guys and then Owen Stevenson's a guy that could easily be a weekend starter for us as well. Uh, we just need we probably need one more arm uh, losing Tyler Meyer prior to the season hurt a lot. Um, he was, he was going to be our guy, one of our guys. And. So we just need one more guy to step it up. And, you know, I think we could be on something special. You know, the bats maybe weren't there this weekend, uh, but they'll come alive. It's not going to we, – we, we know we know that the offense is always going to be a strength of our program. And, 
Uh, but if we can have some offense while we can spin it too from the mound, watch out. Watch out indeed. That's for sure. Now you speak, you, you know, you talk about like energy and such. Uh, you spent a fair amount of time over the last couple of months with the uh, Arizona State's new head football coach, Kenny Dillingham. Uh, what's your take on his first couple of months on the job? Certainly he has energized the fan base and brought in, what is it, 43 newcomers tied for the most in the country and really went after it in the transfer portal and uh, brought some good talent here. What's your take on Kenny working with him for the first couple of months? Uh, absolutely electric personality and energy. I mean, what you saw, you know, at the, the introductory press conference to anything he's done, any interviews done since then, um, I keep sitting here wondering when, like, how can any single person keep this level of energy up? And you, and you kind of expected the pitter and, and, and fizzle out, and it has not. I mean, he is, uh, he is 150% in on this thing. Um, and it is authentic. Uh, it's sincere. It is what you are hearing is absolutely how he feels and how he is as a human being. Um, I have been, um, my, it's energized me. I, I mean, I, you know, it was tough to get through last year and, and, and I'm just, I don't know how, how it's all going to pan out and how good we're going to be next year, but, um, he, he's, he's doing everything, literally everything right right now. Um, he is just a, he's a, he's a great person. He's got tons of energy. Um, I'm truly excited for the spring season coming up just to kind of see him finally. I mean, we've seen all the interviews and heard, I've heard him talk and we've seen all the recruiting mm -hmm. pitches and signing dates. And I just want to see some of these guys on the field now. I want to see, uh, I want to actually see the coaching side of things. And, um, I think that's the thing that, you know, we've lost in, in all of this is kind of, you know, we get caught up in his energy and how fired up about ASU he is, but we forget that he was a pretty darn good offensive coordinator too. So, um, yes. uh, and I mean, there's a reason that he is a, he was one of the hottest names, you know, in the coaching realm and up and comers. And, and it wasn't because of all this stuff that he's saying that it was because of how he, you know, the results he got on the field. And I, so, I mean, for me, it's like, all right, yeah, we got, we got through all this other good stuff, all the pre, you know, pre-spring stuff, but now I want to see, you know, what we can do on the field, because I think that's going to be even the most exciting thing for our program. I love the staff he's brought together. I mean, clearly it's a staff that has ties uh, to ASU, ties to the Valley uh, high schools and uh, energetic staff. Uh, I think coach Ward coming in from Washington state is going to be great with the defense. Uh, I, I, I really like the staff Kenny's put together. Oh, absolutely. He, I mean, it's like, it's kind of that perfect blend of, you know, guys that are experienced with like new and up and coming coaches. And, and it's just, it's, it's the perfect blend. It's not too much of any one thing. It's a, it's people who have proven themselves at all levels of, of football, um, proven winners, proven guys that could get it done, you know, in the living room as well. Um, and, and guys that are hungry, these guys are ready to go. They will do it. I, it's so funny and so refreshing for me as the media relations person that I can, I, I just sent out four texts, you know, about five minutes before I started doing this interview, uh, trying to set up some, uh, some interviews myself for some other media members for our assistant coaches this week. And I've already gotten three responses back. And um, that's just unheard of. <laughs> from, uh, if you don't know anything about setting up interviews, it's not nearly as, <laughs> as easy as, as you might think. Um, and so to have three of the four that I just sent a text out and say, yeah, let's do it at this time or whatever. 
Um, it's awesome. And that's just kind of reflective of what these guys are. They are energetic. They will do whatever it takes to publicize and advocate for our program. And uh, it, it, it's going to be fun. I, I, I think our fans, you know, are already, you know, fired up and, and ready to go for this. But it, it's just going to get better for us. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait. And uh, boy, it's been fun getting these insights. You and I ought to do a podcast each week and <laughs> what we really think you, you about know how to find me. <laughs> You know how to find me. I'd be happy to join you, Tim. Yeah, we'll we'll be in the same building uh, for quite a bit this spring out at uh, Phoenix Muni for what should be an exciting season of Sun Devil Baseball. Well, again, Jeremy, congratulations on you and your stats crew being recognized and honored by the NFL and uh, happy for you that you had the chance to uh, get uh, to be the official stats crew for your second Super Bowl and what a great game it was and looking forward to working with you this spring, my friend. Thanks for joining us, bud. Of course, and I can't wait. We need to get better and get back out here to the ball, the ballpark, all right? <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. That's Arizona State Baseball and Football Media Relations Director Jeremy Hawks, our guest on this segment of the Anderson Healy Show. Ray will rejoin me for the final segment of this week's show in just a moment. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. Vibe check. A free afternoon on a Friday. Vibe. The party after the after party? Vibe. 3 a.m. text from your ex? No vibe. A hard seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C? Big vibe. Vizzy is a vibe. Celebrate responsibly. 2022 Molson Coors Beverage Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, flavored beer. Tempe is the place to be to catch the excitement of ASU sports. Before and after the game, Sun Devil fans can enjoy the sunny weather while paddle boarding or kayaking at Tempe Town Lake, hiking around Papago Park, dining on a patio on Mill Avenue, or enjoying a local brew while relaxing poolside at one of our great hotels. The next time you plan to catch a game at ASU, plan to play and stay in Tempe. To learn more, go to www.tempetourism.com. We'll see you in Tempe. If you plan on flying on or after May 7th, 2025, make sure you have the new Arizona Travel ID to get you past TSA security checkpoints. This credential shows a gold star in the upper right corner and is available to Arizona residents as a driver's license or ID card. Getting your license or ID card updated is a slam dunk. Log on to aztravelid.com for a list of qualifying documents you'll need to get your travel ID. Make sure to beat the buzzer and get your AZ Travel ID today. Hey, Sun Devil fans, college basketball is back. So grab your friends in a cold, refreshing Dos Equis lager and make the most of game day. Whether you're at the bar with fellow Sun Devils or watching with your friend who went to that other school, Dos Equis is there for it all. So buy a cold, crisp Dos Equis and get those forks up on game day. Dos Equis, proud partner of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2022. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. We've rounded third and are heading for home on this week's edition of the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of the Sun Devil. Glad you joined us this week. Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson rejoins me now as we spotlight a couple of up-and-coming stars among the ranks of ASU student-athletes. One of the future stars of the Sun Devil Wrestling Program could well be true freshman 141-pounder Emilio Isagere from Eloy, Arizona. 
This past weekend, Emilio recorded his first two career victories as a Sun Devil wrestler as ASU split a pair of dual meets over the weekend, blanking Cal State Bakersfield 42 to nothing last Thursday afternoon at Desert Financial Arena before the Devils fell 25-15 to second-ranked Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska, this past Sunday. In that Sunday meet against the Huskers, Emilio Isagere upset Nebraska's fourth-ranked 141-pounder Brock Hardy, winning by a score of 10-4. to Not bad, Ray, for a kid just getting his college wrestling career underway, though, if truth be told, Emilio was one of the nation's most heavily recruited wrestlers a year ago. Uh, true enough, but nevertheless, still a uh, first-time performer, and I think to go out and beat the number four-ranked guy uh, in, I think, just his second uh, match for us uh, was quite astounding. So uh, I certainly remember when he was being recruited, there was a lot of buzz about him, and he's uh, demonstrated exactly why with the two performances, particularly one uh, against the Nebraska uh, wrestler at number four in the nation. If we could just uh, split those points between the Cal State Bakersville uh, uh, match and the one at uh, Nebraska, we'd be two and zero for the weekend, Tim. But that was not to be. The Cornhuskers always tough, uh, and so we lost that one. But it's good to see Emilio and a couple others come on strong as you get toward the postseason. By the way, the blanking of Cal State Bakersfield last week came on ASU's senior day which was the final home meet for a terrific group of Sun Devil Wrestling seniors, including 125-pounder Brandon Courtney and 133-pounder Mikhail McGee, both of whom won their senior day matches. In fact, McGee went on on Sunday to record a pin over his opponent in the match at Nebraska. Now, up next for Sun Devil Wrestling, the Pac-12 Championships. That'll take place Sunday, March 5th at Stanford University. Another of the up-and-comers in Sun Devil Athletics is track and field sprinter Justin Robinson. The junior from St. Louis, Missouri, won the 400 meters this past weekend at the USA Track and Field Championships in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And Justin did so by shattering the Arizona State school record in the 400, winning in a time of 45.40 seconds. Justin Robinson Ray now ranks third in the world in the 400 meters. Uh, Justin's an incredible uh, student athlete, and uh, he can get after those 400 meters uh, as reflected by his time. Think about that. Uh, He's running for Arizona State uh, in college, uh, but that time is the third fastest in the world, pro or amateur. Uh, Tim, if you put that into perspective, you know what type of performance that was. Uh, And Coach Miller, Dion, uh, thinks he can do better. And so that will be exciting to see his next race. But Justin really uh, uh, showed uh, unbelievable skill uh, in the meet last weekend. Next up for track and field, the NCAA Indoor Championships. They will also take place in Albuquerque and will do so on March 10th and 11th. Still another of the bright young stars in Sun Devil Athletics is women's golfer Grace Summerhays, along with her ASU teammate Paula Schulz hansen Grace tied for fourth place at the Nexus Challenge in the Bahamas last week as the two of them helped coach Missy Farquay's 13th-ranked Sun Devil women's golf team post a third-place finish in a strong field of teams. Grace and Paula both finished with three-round totals of two over par, 218 at the Nexus Challenge, Ray, as Arizona State finished third behind runner-up LSU and the tournament champion, the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. 
Yes, Grace is uh, the Summer Hayes family, as people know, is from a, a, a very well-known golf family here in uh, Arizona, and uh, she is uh, uh, taken up uh, the game to a level uh, that, for a, uh, a, a true freshman or sophomore, she's 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 incredible uh, and takes the game very seriously. Tim, I saw her out on the practice range uh, one Sunday uh, late in the fall. Uh, and couldn't believe how meticulous and repetitive she was. Uh, and it was very, it's very clear why she is that good. This game is serious to her. She takes it seriously. And boy, can she play. Sun Devil Women's Golf is back on the road this coming week. They will head to Hilton Head, South Carolina next Monday and Tuesday, February 27th and 28th for the Darius Rucker intercollegiate events. For those of you that remember Hootie and the Blowfish, there you go. It was a successful start to the Taryn Van Thoff era of Sun Devil women's lacrosse this past weekend. Arizona State defeating St. Bonaventure 16-13 this past Saturday in the season opener here in Tempe as Sun Devil captain Kalen Buckner was one of three ASU players, Ray, to record hat tricks in the opener, giving Taryn the win in her Arizona State coaching debut. Yes, and that was fun on Saturday night, uh, uh, the the uh, mood was great. The weather was uh, fabulous for an opener. And to see Taryn get out in her uh, inaugural game as a head coach uh, and get the win against St. Bonaventure at home was really fun. And uh, as you may uh, be about to mention, now they go on an extended road trip. Uh, and so when they get back, we're going to really encourage our fans to get out uh, and support uh, our lacrosse team under Taryn. That road trip begins this coming weekend as women's lacrosse will head back to my alma mater to play the Nittany Lions of Penn State this Friday, February 24th at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in University Park, Pennsylvania. And then from there, it's a bus ride south to the Baltimore area to take on Towson University. That game will be played Sunday starting at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Sun Devil Hockey is coming off a home sweep of Lindenwood University, a first-year NCAA program from Missouri, ASU winning both games at Mullet Arena last week by scores of 8-2 and 5-3. The 8-2 win ended up being a record-shattering game for the Sun Devils. Their six-goal margin of victory made it the most lopsided win in Arizona State's NCAA hockey history. In addition, Ray, the eight goals scored in that game and the 53 shots on goal both tied Arizona State's single-game records. Uh, yes, and it was nice to come home from the road trip where we didn't fare well uh, and get the two wins uh, back at home against Lindenwood. And uh, it was a spectacular performance. Uh, but I also give credit to uh, Coach Powers because Lindenwood is a first-year varsity program and not too long ago so was ASU and so it was important to advance hockey by uh, inviting these first-year programs who sometimes struggle to get quality games in quality arenas because they're startup programs uh, but we welcomed them here and fortunately uh, we gave them a, a, a taste of what uh, elite level hockey looks like by beating them twice and sending them home uh, but we did it with a good spirit of we want to grow hockey uh, and Lindenwood is now uh, part of the hockey community. We wish them well when they're not playing us, and uh, our guys did a very nice job of playing uh, and bouncing back from the weekend before with the two victories, Tim. 
Coach Greg Powers, Ice Devils will be back home at the Mullet this weekend as they will seek some payback against the Nanooks of Alaska Fairbanks. ASU losing two games to the Nanooks in Fairbanks, Alaska earlier this month. The uh, home games at Mullet Arena will uh, be played starting at 7 p.m. this Friday, February 24th, and 5 p.m. on Saturday the 25th. That'll do it for this week's show. Thanks to our show producer, ASU Senior Associate Athletic Director Doug Tamaro for his help. Thanks as well to our engineer producer, Sean Crespin of the Sun Devil Radio Network, and our show scheduler, Kim Nelson from Sun Devil Athletics. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Anderson Healy Show. We hope you'll plan to join us then. Ray, good speaking with you. Have a good week. Always, Tim. Likewise to you and to our ASU Sun Devil fans, we say go Devils. Go Devils. Till next time, for Ray Anderson, I'm Tim Healy. Thanks for being with us on the Anderson Healy Show. So long, everybody. You've been listening to the Anderson Healy Show, powered by Elevation, the Sun Devils' preferred home energy technology company. Tim Holvik here. You know, I always promised myself if I ever owned my own Ford dealership, I'd run it with common sense, I'd hire some really awesome people, and I'd treat all of our customers like great friends. And I'd always be a super supporter of Arizona State University. That's how I do it. I call my dealership Santan Ford, and we're in Gilbert. It's where the Sun Devils go. See you here. We are Santan Ford, proud partners of the Arizona State University Sun Devils. It takes hard work to be the best in the game. Planning, commitment, resilience, sweat. That's why Old Dominion Freight Line, the number one national LTL carrier for quality, works hard to be the best in the game and is proud to support those striving to be the best in theirs. Old Dominion Freight Line, official freight carrier of Sun Devil Athletics, helping the world keep promises. 75% of the electricity you're using is on products that are turned off, and your ceiling fan could cost you up to $5,000 over its lifetime. Sun Devils fans, you know your sports stats. At Elevation, we know the stats that can help save your wallet and the world. Visit PoweredByElevation.com and learn how our full suite of smart solar solutions can make a powerful difference today. Elevation is a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Forks up, bills down. Y'all feeling lucky? Luke Combs here, and I have an exclusive opportunity for you to win a half a million dollars by joining me in the Living Lucky with Luke Combs Lottery Experience. When it rains, it pours for lucky fans and lottery players who enter to win a chance of a lifetime. Join me in Nashville for a private concert at the iconic Ryman Auditorium in 2024. One lucky winner will have the chance to walk away with a half million dollars at the end of the show. Enter eligible tickets on the Arizona Lottery Players Club by February 28th. Learn more at azplayersclub.com.